Welcome to Sermon Seasonings, the podcast of Christchurch Gladesville, where we dig more deeply into the passage we looked at on Sunday. I'm David Mears. And I'm Mandy Curley. Welcome back for Season 6. On Sunday, we opened our series in Ephesians, looking at God's grand design. And Dave dug into Chapter 1 from verses 1 to 14, and we saw that sweeping picture of the way that God has been at work in Jesus and brought about our salvation. Dave, thanks so much for opening God's word for us. It was a pleasure, and I uh, imagine with so many people out working, walking, I beg your <laughs> pardon. I, I I wonder if the listenership will grow. But anyway, um, uh, welcome everybody, and I I hope you're um, enduring lockdown well and are being fed by the word and encouraged by it. And hopefully, this is what Ephesians will do for us this term. Yeah, indeed, it's going to be a good one. So uh, what I thought we'd do today, I said I would do it in the uh, sermon yesterday, is that we would have a little bit more of a look at introductions to letters. Now, um, we're going to have a bit of fun with this, and uh, I'm going to be testing a lot of Mandy's memory, and uh, and you might be able to answer some of these questions if you're listening along and trying to answer them in your, in your home. We're going to walk through the letters of the New Testament. We're going to say, all right, well, what's that? Basically, what's that letter about? And then we're going to have a look at the introduction and see whether we see the seeds of that messaging coming out in the introduction. So let's kick it off with the first letter in the New Testament, the grand old Duke of York, the book of Romans. So Mandy, what's Romans about? I was going to say, what's Romans not about is a little bit. um, I remember it was one of the essays early in college that talked about, you know, is Romans a big theological treatise that's actually putting together all of the gospel together? Because really one of the things I think in Romans you see very clearly is that picture of God's work of salvation in his people and sets out sort of, you know, Romans one sixteen, mm. kind of the classic of why did Jesus... Well, uh, why don't you read for us? Romans one sixteen and 17. So if this is also a bit of a bone up on, you know, um, book of Bible in a minute, uh, the thematic verses for Romans is Romans 1 verses 16 and 17. So what is that... Uh, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So Romans is a great big book about... um, what the gospel, why the gospel matters and why mm. salvation has to be by faith and all of that. So that's yeah. that's what Romans is, is. The theme is the gospel, right? Now, why don't we, this is going to be an easy one, uh, because the beginning of Romans is one of the biggest beginnings of all of them. So would you like to read to us Romans 1 to 7? My pleasure. Paul, a servant of Sorry, Christ. Sorry, Romans 1, 1 to 7. Please don't read seven chapters. <laughs> Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. 
grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's he pretty much gives a uh, he, he gets kicked in, kicks us into his mm. big thesis even before he starts saying to all in Rome. He's saying Paul called to be an apostle of the gospel, basically a servant of Christ called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel, and it's the gospel, 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 gospel. I think Romans is about the gospel. I think Romans is going to end up being about the gospel. So you can see there's a very easy correspondence between Romans, the subject of the book, and how Paul introduces and even describes himself. So let's now move to the next one. After Romans, it's 1 1 Corinthians. Corinthians. So what's 1 Corinthians about? Yep. I mean, 1 Corinthians, it really, I think I particularly think of the end of 1 Corinthians when I've got 1 Corinthians in my head about like, how does church actually work and what does it look like as we do it? So Mm. you get all the things about, you know, who should speak when and what should they speak about and how do we actually organise church? Mm. So if you would describe Corinthians, would you say functional church? Not, Not so really. Much. Um, uh, although, if you do all the things that Paul then tells you about, by the end you'll get functional you'll get functional. Church. Yeah, they're it, it's, one Corinthians. They're full of rivalry. They're full yeah. of factions. They are sitting there spatting at one another the whole time. They're disorderly. They're immoral, etc. They're, they're basically they've got lots of gifts, but they're a basket case. Yeah. So now let's have a look at the beginning of one Corinthians, um, verses one to three of chapter one. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosenthes. Let's just stop there. So you've got again Paul emphasising his apostleship, but now we get that by the will of God bit mm. brought in again. In other words, God's I God picked me to do this, yep. to be an apostle of your Saviour, right? So it's an authority statement. Yep. Keep going. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And grace, then goes grace and peace, grace to, you. And peace to you. So, so see his description, how he, he doubles down on holiness. Mm. He doubles down on the fact that you are called to be this together with other people because what yep. was their problem? They were all one upmanshiping and, and being divided. This is all about being together and being holy and I'm the one who's been made the apostle at the will of God, so listen up. up. Right? Yeah. So you can see a correspondence there. Okay, now look at 2 Corinthians. Now, what's 2 Corinthians might be less familiar with for people. So, what? Although, although it, so 2 Corinthians is kind of the, the comfort book. Yeah. Um, I often talk about it because there is that whole section in there about the, the comfort that mm. comes um, from knowing Jesus. Um, and But you do have that. It's the super apostles, apostles isn't it? I remember. So. So the the um because we've been doing this at, at parish council and uh, we've been reading it and and you've got this setting where uh, it's the same church as the one that one Corinthians was sent to and there's been a couple of letters in the meantime and so there's a there's a few issues there because the the Corinthians loved what was impressive and so some people have come across to them and shown how impressive they were and said this is why you should listen to us and you shouldn't listen to Paul and so. Um, the relationship between Paul and the Corinthians is 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 a bit tense, yeah. and and Paul says, you know what? If you want to know, and they've been coming with letters of recommendation, and so Paul says, you want a letter of recommendation? I'll tell you how much I've suffered to get the gospel to you. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so there's in two Corinthians is where you'll find extended sections where Paul explains how much he suffered, and why. Um, what really matters is is whether you're you're putting forth the gospel of Jesus and suffering for it, not whether you're impressive in the world's eyes. Mm. So let's have a look at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. 
So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And Same thing. So we get that emphasis about his, his authority. Yep. yep. This time it's Timothy, our brother. Yes. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not as much there, mm. um, but it's, again, it's that call to, um, they're together with all these holy people. It's the church of God in Corinth. It's his church. church. You know, there's not as much connection, but there is elements there that, that go, um, just remember you you belong to God and you belong to with all of his holy people and don't get caught up with um, these people who want you to belong to them yep. and to be acolytes and followers of them. Yep. So there's perhaps an identity playoff there, not as much as there are in other ones. Okay, Nick, what's Galatians about? <laughs> uh, so Galatians, freedom is really the big thing, is what does it mean to actually be in Christ and the freedom that we have uh, in him. But there's a little bit that kind of is at the back, that's sort of running in the back of Galatians is that the Galatians haven't really got it right. Yeah. Paul's actually a little bit arced up at them. He's arced up because they want to go back to the law and they're being yep. tempted to go back to the law. He's going, what on earth would you do that for? Um, and so let's have a look at the beginning of, of Galatians. Now, Galatians, interestingly, doesn't have a Thanksgiving prayer, which a lot of the other ones does, because he's a bit arced up. <laughs> but um, let's have a read. Yep. So Paul, to five. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me. <laughs> so he's going, and he, so if you disagree with me, you know, like that's laying your authority on with a <laughs> shovel, isn't it? And just to, and saying, and all of the brothers and sisters with me, right? Yeah. So you're you're calling, calling is your support. You're going, I'm an apostle. I'm not sent from men. I'm sent from God. God. So listen up. And all of the others are with me in what I'm about to say, yeah. right? So to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he expands on his normal grace and peace greeting by reminding them of the fact that Jesus Christ, who is one of the ones who, who, who is not one of the ones who, who sent him, is the one who gave himself for them. And he's trying to say, don't move from this. To, to when, when you've had the Son of God give himself for your sins to rescue you from an evil age, you don't mm. step back into what will not free you from that. Yep. So you get that introduction. All right, so now we go, we skip Ephesians because we know what the beginning of that one is. Yes. Philippians, what's Philippians about? <sighs> Joy. Joy and partnership <laughs> in the gospel, gospel. right? Yep. So let's have a read of one and two of Philippians. Uh, so Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not as if he was writing to only some of the mm. uh, Romans or some of the Corinthians, yep. but you notice that it's Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together, together with the overseas and deacons. Uh, no, we're all partners, right? Yep. Okay, um, <laughs> Colossians. Colossians is about what? <sighs> See, I struggle with Colossians because I'm like, it's a lot like Ephesians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's like Ephesians, but instead of exalting the church as much, it really it's it's the big high Christology one. It's the one that really shows that um, Christ is is above everything, and so um, and and again, there's people who are trying to bring about festivals and things like that and, and calling people to other other 
things other yeah. than the supreme supremacy of Christ. So again, if you've got um, a verse that you really want to remember, it's Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7, which is, So then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Don't ever move on from Jesus or be sucked in, drawn into other things. So how does that begin? Yep. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. So faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, just trying to say, stay trusting. Don't move on from Jesus. Um, okay, so we've got then 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Now, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, uh, we might just skip yep. because there's actually, um, uh, they have got the shortest, very short sort of introductions. They were also probably the two fir- the first two letters Paul wrote and so uh, kind of a little bit um, more basic. So he just says, Paul, Silas and Timothy. Yeah, yep. so he just doesn't muck <laughs> okay. around. It's it's as he gets writes more letters that he gets more juice into the uh, yeah. into the beginnings. Yeah, and then um, and then you've got uh, one one Timothy, yep. um, which is about order in the church. Yep, I mean, and it's really it's Paul writing to to Timothy, his fellow worker, and talking to him about what true leadership looks like. And so, this is interesting. How does Paul describe himself? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Saviour. Yeah, so it's the command, isn't it? Mm. And so it's, it's to Timothy, his true son in the faith. And but but that that idea of um, uh, this passing on of of authority and and yeah. command. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also just love that it's of Christ Jesus our hope. Yeah. In one Timothy, which is just an well, interesting kind of idea of just yeah. Because we know it's true that yes. Christ is our hope, but it's just it's not the language that he always uses in the beginning. And so yeah. you kind of notice it going, oh. Okay, 2 Timothy. What's 2 Timothy about? What sticks in your mind when you think of 2 Timothy? <sighs> well, it's kind of the opposite of 1 and 2 Thessalonians, isn't it? 1 and 2 Thessalonians were the first ones he wrote. What's yeah. 2 Timothy? It's kind of his last. Yeah, it's, I'm it's, pouring it's myself final, out final, like a drink words. offering. I'm about to receive, you know, there is in store for me the crown of life. It's 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 Paul's last words. His death is imminent. Have a look at the first verse um, of this one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. How cool is that? Yeah. 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 The guy who's going, I'm probably not going to be able to write anything after this because I'm about to die, says, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And he says to Timothy, my dear son, son. you get that affectionate. It's quite a a moving introduction. But again, you know what the content's going to be. This is the one where he says, I've run the race, I've finished finished it. You know, all that. No, he's finished the race. He's run the fought the good fight. Fought the good fight. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Titus. Now, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are the pastoral epistles. They're about related to the running of churches and things like that. Um, and so anything in particular about Titus? Um, I guess it's kind of the false teachers come up a little bit in Titus and sort of what they should – because you've got the the cretins that, that oh, saying – Oh, that's right. Is the the lazy of, Yeah, you, all, all cretins that. are lazy gluttons mm. and um, – Stuff like that. Liars, evil brutes and lazy gluttons. Um, and you've got that – beautiful kind of it's it's all about sound doctrine because the truth is what matters yeah. um, sound doctrine it's about um teach oldest teaching youngers, youngers and making sure the passing on of all of that yeah. so 
How does Titus begin? Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. Yeah. To Titus, my true son, in our common, common faith. faith. Yeah. So in other words, he's teaching Titus, who is the, who is the um, person who is in charge of the church in Crete, and, and he's um, passing on the truth and making sure that he instructs that church so that the truth keeps being passed on. Yep. And so that creeps into how he identifies who he is. Yep. He's not wasting time. Mm. He's going to get on with what he's teaching is even when he's introducing himself. Um, then you've got Philemon. Um, um, well, you know, Philemon's a, a letter written to a guy who who was who's trying to say, hey, don't, don't, kill your slave which yep. you probably could were allowed to do and certainly don't don't be mean to him he's a brother in christ now yep. that he's run off yes. and because i mean that's where you've got the anisimus and now am yes. i right on the yep. greek of anisimus it's kind of it's the play on useless one the useless mm. one has become useful yeah i think so yes yes so yeah and so um i'll read the beginning of that paul a prisoner of christ jesus and timothy our brother is written at the same time as colossians um to philemon our dear friend and fellow worker um also to Archippia, um, our sister, uh, Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. He's a guy, he's a pastor, a, a host of a, of a church, and he keeps reminding him of all of his fellows, brothers and sisters, and he's about to say, you know, the slave I'm sending back, he's your brother too. Yeah. And so so um, I think, so there you go, there's our elders. If you go into um, uh, 1 Peter, you'll see something very similar, um, and, uh, and the other letters in the New Testament. They're Paul's letters, and you can see how, um, apart from, say, the early ones where he's, He's just writing it in a more formal sense. He decides to make more use of it as he goes on and really starts to develop his theology even in his introductions. He's trying to say theology is always linked to who you are and that theme of identity. So there you go. There's the introductions of all of Paul's letters. Um, Hope you enjoyed. So now we've thought about the introductions to all the other letters in the New Testament. Probably time to come back to Ephesians. Yeah, that's right. Um, So... What are we going to do next? Yeah, what I thought we'd do is um, do a bit of a, a walkthrough of the great eulogy. I'm going to call it the eulogy because and is because the first word is eulogy, eulogy. right? <laughs> or eulogetos is, yep. is the how the whole big – and remember how I said it's one big sentence yep. um, after the introduction. That's how it all, all follows off. So um, – and, and that's the same word that begins the great one in, in – um, uh, one Peter that we might mention a little bit later, and, and it is blessed is or mm. praise be, and so uh, so what I thought we'd do is just break it down into sections and just sort of talk about some of the things that it stimulates in our thinking as we as we look at each section in in its own time. Yeah. So let's let's begin with at the beginning with um with verse three. So do you want to read that for yeah. us? So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, you might remember that yesterday we really did spend a good amount of time in mm. this, and that's um, fairly important. There's a couple of couple of things I wanted to talk about. First of all, I want to talk about just what, why did I kind of drill down on that idea of blessing? Mm. And then the second thing is the interesting description of Father here, which mm. I think is just has a wonderful richness to it. Yeah. So the first bit is, is, is blessing. 
I don't know about you. That's often been a word. That go, what is what is that? What mm. is um? We we use the word quite in a variety of ways, and so I think often we talk about oh, it's such a blessing, and then what we're thinking of is it was so good to get that or yeah. to have that happen to me. It was a real blessing, or um oh, I'm blessed to have a a, a dog like I got to enjoy over the last fifteen years, and, yeah. and we were blessed by Tilly, or whatever. That sort of language is is more um. The word of of uh, fortunate or happy am mm. I because I have been given something that is 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 wonderful, right? Yeah. Um, and yet, at the same time, and this is a bit more of an older use of the word blessing that uh, um, you might say, "Well, bless the Lord." And I remember when I was younger, I thought, "What on earth does it mean? How do I bless the Lord? What on earth can I bring to God that He hasn't already got?" Yeah. Um, uh, or bless the name of the Lord, and that is is more in that language of that eulogy word, mm. right? And so that uh, to blessing is to bestow a blessing, to say something with my mouth because it's got the word for word in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, I've got to, I want to say something with my mouth that is going to bring something that they they deserve or, or is good for them. And so it's more that idea of celebration. And so yeah. um, to understand that we, we we celebrate and bring good things with our speech is just mm. itself, I think, quite a, an interesting thing. If I think about blessings that I uh, things that I have or possess, they can be bestowed in speech. Mm. I just think that in itself is an interesting thing. And but it's this idea of uh, I need to celebrate mm. um, God, and that this whole thing is a big celebration of who He is. So that's why I kind of drilled down on that yeah. that praise be, because in in other versions it would say, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed, blessed us, us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing." So yeah. you get blessed, 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 and you don't miss it. Yeah. But because the NIV has used a variation of words for the same concept, we don't we potentially could miss it. That yeah. What he's what we do to him and go well, of course we would celebrate him is actually that was the thing that blew my mind that that what he does for us is not give us stuff that other kind of idea of blessing mm. but he makes us celebrate it yes. in the word sense mm. so that and and then you think what would mean that i would be celebrated in the heavenly realms mm. it is these spiritual qualities that come in jesus yeah. that's why the heavenly realms will celebrate me and and us together as as a as a universal church why the church is celebrated is because we're made like jesus so that people so that and and given who we are mm. to be made like jesus is yeah. a, is a cause for us to be celebrated yeah. in the heavens and just that that's just an amazing um, thing to think through. Now, the second thing I wanted to talk about on verse three was just um, there's a really interesting thing on on the use of father. So, do you want to read verse two for us? Yeah. First? So, verse two says, "Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Okay. And so now, what is it in verse three? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus so Christ. So, is our Father in verse two? but he's the father of our Lord Jesus in verse 3. Yeah. And so it's like we've moved from us being having God as our father to verse 2. It's almost like we've stepped back a bit. He's the father and he's our Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and what we – I think it's quite beautiful because it's almost like Paul's going, now let me tell you why I can call you that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back conceptually 
to what has always been, that he has been the father of our Lord Jesus, and then tell you the story about why you can call mm. him father. Yeah. And so that's when we get onto the he chose us in him, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Mm. And it's that that's the point that we can go, that's why we can now call God our father. But it's like he goes back in, he almost like steps back in as a concept yep. in verse 3 to be able to reveal that beautiful story of of why we get to call him our father yeah, and it's yeah. all because of Jesus. Yes, and because you cannot miss that. It's in him, it's in him, it's in him, it's yeah. in him. In case you weren't sure, Dave, it's, it's in, in him. It's in him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so, But that very little subtle mm. flick between our God and Father, um, from God our Father, the Lord Jesus, to the Father oh. and our Lord Jesus. Yes. And it's our, our connection with him. So that's um that, that's that's verse three is an interesting thing mm. I wanted I wanted people to to see. And that, again, just to remember that that it's every spiritual blessing in Christ. So so it's the idea of a of a sp- spiritual plus the word for good speech, mm. um praiseworthy, worth celebrating. It's a spiritual thing worth celebrating. It's not that he blesses us with every material blessing in mm. Christ. And, you know, there's some people around the world that need to remember that. Mm. And, <laughs> and often for those of us, we have a lot of those material blessings too. Yes, yes. But, but the, the stuff that counts in the heavenlies ain't the physical blessings. No. It's the spiritual blessings in Christ and that's what's being connected with, with the, the heavenly realms. But straight away we're also being reminded from this first verse that we're talking about something that is bigger than just what happens here on earth. And that automatically draws in other beings into the picture. And now this is going to be a big thing in Ephesians. The spiritual world has a wider than us, Mm. has a prominence in the book of Ephesians that that is more prominent than it is in almost any other New Testament book. Maybe Revelation is probably up there. (laughs) But, but, But that idea that in the heavenly realms there are beings in the heavens that mm. celebrate us. And it's a reminder that they're there in the first place. And spiritual blessing, every single spiritual blessing in Christ is why we're celebrated there. Yep. So that's verse 3. So yep. now let's have a look at verse 4. Let's see what, what yeah. strikes us about this one. Uh, so, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Yeah. Why don't we let's so if we go to the focus on that first four there, yeah. that's where we get the election thing. Mm. So um And the timing of that is just I think I just love that it's before the creation of the world mm. we were chosen in Christ. Yes. It's the it's the in him before the creation of yes. the world. Yes. So so the um uh the original plan was to create beings that would be in the sun. Mm. Yeah, and and again, I, I don't, I don't even presume to be able to get my head around that. Um, that 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 is, um, that is, an amazing thing to think through. That that, um, that in the mind of God, bef- eons before. I mean that that term is irrelevant before creation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is, is to say there will be a creation and there will be beings that will be able to cherish my son. Mm. Like I, it's just astounding yeah. so it's it's a cho- it's a chosen if there's an election a decision being made but it's interesting as well that last phrase there that's got to get your mind boggling as well chosen before the creation of the world in christ 
to be holy and blameless mm. in his sight. Now, this is, you know, potentially opening a can of worms. Um, what else is the podcast for? Exactly right. So let's think about this. Before a universe was created, before a fall, there was we were chosen to be blameless. Now, mm. if you think about that word as it is in English, it's the same as it is in the original language. It is um, the negation of a bad thing. Mm. So blame, bad, yep. less, don't have it. Yep. It's the same in the original. So it just is interesting that God choosing people to be holy for him, okay, I get that set apart specially for him. Well, there is only him at the moment, but but you know he's obviously conceiving of a cre- creation that would have others, but yeah. there's, there's some to be holy in him. Okay, I get that blameless in his sight almost almost entails that he knows that there will be blame Mm. yeah and I think I think we need to sit with that and kind of let our minds explode and go I don't quite get that Mm. and I think we're not supposed to completely be able to grapple with it but there is something in Jesus death and resurrection that is that is God's plan A for his creation, yes. that we see so much of his majesty and grace and mercy in Jesus' death and resurrection that we wouldn't see without it. Yes, it, it's a way if you um, – the alternative would be this, that um, uh, the man and the woman eat the fruit and sin and there's a crisis meeting in the heavenlies and the Father, Son and Holy Spirit go, all right, let's go into the, into the emergency room – situation room and we'll have a talk about all right, what are we going to do now yeah. our whole creation is going to be ruined by the evil one and tempted our creations rebelled us against us what are our options let's okay well i guess i could go down and die for them all oh, and no no unless you're going to conceive of that you have a god who that was part of his wisdom was creating beings who could do that yeah knowing that they would yeah I mean, either he's sovereign and, and has foreknowledge or, or he, he doesn't. doesn't. Right. So we're, this, this, I know this is stuff that a lot of you out there are pondering anyway. So yeah. let's just say it out loud. Right. But here's the thing that I think is magnificent about this. We don't want to get, we don't want to get ourselves in, in tangled in a, in a mess because what happens next starts to show us the grandeur of why he might do that. And it's going to relate with grace. Mm. Um, we were chatting about it earlier and I'm looking forward to talking about it when we do. So let's keep going. Mm. So in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So here now you might go, well, what's the difference between choosing and predestining? Um, so, so, so I think that the, choosin, the, the choosing is, is making the call that this is going to happen. The predestining is 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 more the the plan that the the, um, the thinking beforehand and formulating. So it's it's almost like the next process after choice, um, and and that and that plan is how how are we going to be in Christ and holy and blameless? We're going to be adopted as sonship. Mm-hmm. That's what that's going to look like. Yeah. And um, 
and that and that idea of adoption to sonship, as I tried to hint at it yesterday, is is it, it's got nothing to do with maleness or anything else like that. The the thing that and this is the bit one of the things that really, I think, um, was impressed upon me as I was writing it, and that is the, the sermon is that sonship is uh, it's more than just being an heir. I think I understood the idea that to be adopted as sons, the reason why you don't want to delete that from the language and just gender neutral it is because it, it carries with it that idea, historic idea mm. of heirs. Well, it's got way more than that. It's not just there's plenty of heirs around the place, male and female and all of that. It's the fact that you're being adopted as son. There's only one son Yes. when this is being thought of. So when you're being adopted to sonship, you're being adopted to himness, um, and that's to to the son, and 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 that is that is the mind blowing thing is that God has chosen to to love us like He loves mm. His own son before we even existed. Yeah, and I think there's an amazingness in that because this is the son to whom the entire world belongs and yes. is His inheritance. And it's kind of that whole thing. I think when we think inheritance, we think of it being divided up. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense in which we all get to enjoy all of it. Yes. Um, only because we are in him. I'm a son alongside you and we get all of what belongs to Jesus. Yes. And and, and you get why the world is his inheritance because the world exists to have beings on it that are made in his image that will be in him and sons. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of it's, it collapses into that. Um, so in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Again, as I mentioned, for him, I would insert those two words for himself, in accordance with his pleasure and will. I think again, this idea of of the you see the zeal and the the passion of God involved in love, uh, accordance with his pleasure and will, praise of his glorious grace, freely in the one he loves is is literally the word beloved. Mm. In the beloved, it's, it's, Paul is clap is, um, uh, re, well, I guess containing this is like um, a big love chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Um, so so now the bit that that is kind of um, mind blowing is this: is that as I said yesterday, it's even if that even if that was to happen to perfect beings, what I was trying to mean by that was, if you're created out of nothing so that you could be like the eternal sun that has existed before creation. Yeah. Any being you do that to, you are giving them more than they deserve because they didn't even exist before and they have an existence you gave them that is going to be like your son, right? Yeah. That is grace any way you want to look at it. But the fact that we are so mired in sin and that we would actually reject our maker um, makes the gap of gr- – the the, the, the descent of grace, the the extreme size of it, even more stark. So if you think about an eternal being making any being that is his creation like his son is just a huge act of grace. Now you just descend that and think of the most gracious thing humanly possible, uh, humanly possible, ah, <laughs> um, uh, conceivable is that that created being was a rebel against you. I guess we're coming up to redemption, aren't yeah, we, really? So do you want to read verse 7? I, was, I would love to. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on mm. us. Yeah. 
Um, you were talking about redemption earlier, that that's something that's... Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's not a word that we often use and we don't think of it. I had a friend at one stage who wanted a tattoo that said redeemed because mm. um, there's a real reminder of the fact that she had been bought with a price, mm. that she was valuable enough that, yeah, that God actually chose in Jesus to rescue and save her. And I think there's just a beautifulness to that whole thing of you only redeem something that you have decided is valuable. Mm. Yes. And yeah. so yeah. He, God in his grace and mercy has decided we're valuable and so in Jesus has redeemed us and made us his. Mm. And that elevated language, we often talk about it because, you know, you get the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that mm. he's lavished upon us. It's, it's excessive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a beautiful picture of just how good it is, the salvation that he has won for us in Jesus. It's hard to get your head around. It is, it is interesting that I was just contemplating the fact that you're talking about a tattoo that says redeemed. It's almost like if you think about a tattoo that says uh, can has sadly through history often been a sign of ownership mm. and you think to – that tattoo to say redeemed is an interesting. It's like a transfer of ownership <laughs> that yep. is uh, that is quite beautiful. Yeah, mm. um, I'm not going to go out and do it, Mary. But, <laughs> but but there you go. The other thing about redeemed is that it's got the word for loose ah. in the middle of it. Is yep. it is a word that is inherently about releasing. releasing. And there's yep. something that's that's um, <laughs> liberating about the concept of being released. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing to reflect upon mm. that that we have releasedness yep. Um, yep it's a it's a beautiful freedom word that said i was shackled and bound before and now i'm free and mm. and that that's what we have and that that came through the blood of the very beloved that he wants to he he wants to make us like, like. all the way along yeah and that he would be willing to sacrifice the beloved to do to make us like his beloved yep. it's Again, it's just that you see the, the magnitude of the love here, that mm. God is love. Yeah. Um, it really sort of comes through. And then um, the yeah. last section mm. of this is then actually kind of like, I think it links knowledge together here. Mm. So with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Yeah. So one of the questions about that has often been, where does the with all wisdom and understanding mm. belong? Because if you get the old NIV and the new NIV, hold them together, they change their mind in between mm. the two. Before it was that he had lavished the grace of God that he'd lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And the new NIV starts a new sentence with it. Uh, with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us. Now, um, of course, as I've said, it is all one sentence in the Greek, mm. the whole thing. And so um, the, you've got this phrase that's sitting there and you're going, which direction does it go? And I've got to say, I think I'm with the new NIV on this mm. one. I think I I had always cherished it being part of the previous bit. Mm. But I think it makes sense if you put it together with verse 9 that is with wisdom and understanding he makes known a mystery of his will. Mm. So in other words, um, now the, the thing that I think is amazing about that is that it's saying that God has, with all contemplation and knowledge, made known to, to beings that he's created and mm. has redeemed what he's going to do in the end, that his big plan is to bring all things under heaven, heaven and earth under Christ. Yeah. You go, well, why, 
why would God um, do that? Why would God say, you know what? I think it is really important, wisdom and understanding, I'm making known this to you, mm. that everything is going to come under Christ. And I can't help but see mission come out of that mm. because he, it, by giving us the end plan, it helps us make sure that we don't um, – uh, get slack that we don't forget where everything is headed for our own um, um, blessing and for mm. our own um, uh, the way we view the others that are saved around us. But I think there's also to go. Everything's going to come under Christ. That's mm. where everything is headed. Um, you know that. What do you do with that knowledge? Mm. This is the kind of knowledge that you don't keep to yourself. This right. is the knowledge that you say, I know where everything's going. I've got to tell people about, about it. it. It is actually part of God. I think there's a hint here of God's wisdom in saying, I want a people that will spread this news because I want to love more people. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, anyway, it's, it's a case of, well, where do you think wisdom and understanding should go? Where do you think it matches better? Um and, uh, and then you've got the last section, which we probably will leave off because I think we're going to really drill down on, on that very those, that idea of Jew and Gentile together um, because that is something that is, he returns to fairly soon in the second yeah. half of chapter 2. But just the one thing about it is in verse 11, you just hear him, you hear decision, 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 decision about this. Mm-hmm. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now... There's no accident here. It's, it's no accident here. I think the only other thing I'd say about reflecting upon that Jew and Gentile thing is that it is, it's like the, the conversion of Jews to Christianity so that the, the Jews would come to realise their Messiah is the culmination of the whole of the Old Testament plan. And the language of the, of the Gentiles is, in, in the second part of that section, is inclusion. Mm. So... The, the distinction in, uh, in salvation history between Jew and Gentile, even though there is now only one in Christ Jesus, the salvation history doesn't get dissolved. The, the, the Gentile is grafted into the promises of his chosen people, which was the Jews. Jewish Christians are the culmination of promises and Gentiles are brought in to benefit also from those same promises, um, which... Uh, which is part of God's great, great plan. And so that's something that Paul deals with in Romans 9 to 11 as well. And yeah. he never loses that distinction in language. Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, We've flown through that passage um, and we're going to finish up by just going, where did that leave you? Mm-hmm. Right? Where does that you, – uh, you start a, a, a letter differently to the way you start any other letter that you've done by giving this wonderful, great eulogy and unfolding God's great plan. Where does that put you mentally for the rest of the letter and spiritually, do you think? I can't help but, like, your heart is challenged here. Mm. Like, Mm. there's – you can't read this and not feel what God has done for us in Jesus. And so there's – I think kind of my immediate reaction is that whole – like, my mind is blown by what God has done um, in Jesus. But then there is this kind of sense of, like – oh my goodness, there is this internal, he has changed me and he has made me his. And the only right response is to praise his name. Yeah, absolutely. Is to praise his name. And then, and and to also in doing that, you can't cheapen what it is to be Christian. Mm-hmm. It is identity transforming, partly because we've been given it in this visionary language, this this cascade of, of, of wonderful 
realities about who we are and how long God has planned for us to be like that and where everything is headed, suddenly it just has to elevate our own conception of who we are and who we are together and uh, as a church. And, and that elevated idea of what it is to be a believer and how important in the whole cosmic scheme of things, before there was a cosmos and after there will be a cosmos, in the new heavens and earth, it, is, it just says this has got to be taken seriously. Yeah. And that that is holy, blameless and loved. Mm. So, so the call to be who you are has never been more pricey and important than I think the way it feels at the end of Ephesians 1. And you can see then, as we look at passages in the future, why he has set us up this way. So there we go. There's our first podcast. I've been Dave. I've been Mandy. Uh, Join us again next week as we then move on to the next section of Ephesians chapter 1 and see how Paul himself responds to this call of who we have been made in Christ. 